Today on First Lady and Friends, I had Aaron Hall, the Missionary Department Director for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, talked a few things missionary related, but really got into Light the World Initiative and the Giving Machines Project. It's an incredible project. I know you've seen them around, and he gives us a behind-the-scenes uh, things that are going on in this in this project, and it, it's just phenomenal. Uh, can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. Uh, we have a guest today, Aaron Hall from the Missionary Department. He's the director of the Missionary Department at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So anything I've ever wanted to express about the Missionary Department, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm so excited that you're here. And mostly we're going to talk about the Light the World Initiative and the Giving Machines Project. It's it's powerful. And I have to say, like, before we I, I want to get into to your background and, and where you grew up. And we have we have common friends. Um, your parents That's are right. dear friends of mine. Um, so before we get into Light the World and the Giving Machines and the amazing things that are going on there, let's talk about you. Where did you grow up? Um, yeah. And talk a little bit about your family. Well, thank you. And delighted for the invitation. We're honored that we have the opportunity to share a little bit about this wonderful blessing of Light the World. But I grew up in northern Utah in the Roy area of goodly parents, Alan and Jeannie Hall, and uh, just a wonderful place to be raised, um, oldest of six children, and uh, grew up with a dad that uh, was part of the ballet company, managing it, not dancing in it. <laughs> that was important for me as a young boy. Uh, mom, who is, um, is a force uh, to not be reckoned with. She is just amazing. <laughs> don't, don't mess with her. Don't mess with her in a, in a very good way. She yep. is all about blessing uh, the community, as is my father. And uh, part of that upbringing was recognizing that uh, um, there are so many in need. There are so many that uh, need blessings in their lives, um, education, uh, temporal needs, uh, spiritual needs. And so um, married my high school sweetheart. Uh, we've been married for 30 years and now have the choice blessing of working in the missionary department as a director. And my uh, opportunity is to focus on those uh, who are not of our faith, um, who might want to learn more about the church. We do that through social media, that we do that through all kinds of ways, including Light the World and Giving Machines, such that we can embrace a community of faith and of individuals who want to serve and bless each other. Mm. Well, I do have to say, I do know your parents, um, and and we've gotten to know them well in the next or in the last few years. Um, your mom, uh, Jeannie, serves on the Artist Awards board that um, and committee that that we do at the at the mansion. And I have to say, she has become such a dear friend and just. Both of them are two of the most dear people I've ever met, um, just giving and loving and connecting people and also just fierce in their goodness. Yes. So yes. I just, I, you know, I, 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 like you, have been born of goodly parents, and it really is a blessing um, to, to have such great um, models. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So um, so what brought you to to the missionary department. How did you get here? Talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, my sweetheart and I were called to serve as mission leaders in the great Texas Houston South Mission. 
We served from 2015 to 2018. Prior to serving in the missionary department, uh, I had worked uh, in a company in northern Utah called Market Star. I'd been invited in a private equity practice here in the state. And as we were coming to the end of our mission, I was very prayerful what I would do next and um, had a phone call from the missionary department that uh, came as an invitation to come and help out in the opportunity to find people to teach. And I thought, well, um, I've been praying for an opportunity to do something that would continue my work uh, with missionaries or otherwise, and um, I said I would come for a year. It's now been five, (laughs) and it has been a remarkable blessing uh, to be part of the missionary department at a time where so many things have come to change and bless missionaries, uh, changes to the work, uh, all through the pandemic, as we saw wonderful missionaries go in full of faith, have to come home early, be reassigned, um, all of the blessings that have come uh, from the changes of using technology, uh, being able to teach the way we teach uh, using technology. And of course, people in many ways knock our doors now mm-hmm. as they learn more about the gospel of Jesus Christ and um, desire to meet with missionaries. So that's how I landed in the missionary department, and what a blessing it is to be involved, as President Nelson says, in the greatest cause, the greatest challenge, and the greatest work. I bet you learned so much as a mission president, um, you and your wife uh, and your family. And your family, your kids had to have been pretty little. Yeah, we we have four children. Uh, Our oldest was uh, going into her senior year of high school. Oh, okay. Now tell me about that. How did yeah, she? So that was, how did she do? <laughs> she she didn't join us. Oh, okay. So we we uh, did a, a small trip to Houston, Texas, my wife and my daughter, before leaving uh, to see if we could help our Allie uh, feel comfortable with this. And we were very prayerful about this move for her. It's a really important time. She was cheering. She was mm-hmm. going to be a senior at Weber High School mm-hmm. uh, there in Weber County, and. We all felt that the best thing for her to do was to stay home, which broke our hearts, and especially my sweetheart's heart, as we watched her go off to dances, as she cheered, and she did all those kinds of things. All those lasts that you weren't a part of. Oh, that's tough. For the homecoming um, royalty, we had (laughs) her uncle walk her across the football field, and we watched over, uh, over FaceTime. But what I will say is compensatory blessings are real. Mm. And we then have three other children that joined us, a son that was going into his high school years, a son just starting junior high, and our baby who was seven at the time, who was the most remarkable, amazing missionary uh, while we were there together. Incredibly growing experience as a family, not an easy experience, but one that came with remarkable blessings. And along the way, I adopted 534 children. (laughs) who I love and will do anything for. Um, the one thing that I would just share is, is um, we, we, we firmly came to an understanding that um, we're not called to places, we're called to people. Mm-hmm. And to be with those remarkable missionaries that were called to serve with us, um, we were in a place, but it was all about them and the people they were blessing. So what a tremendous and amazing experience that we will always cherish. Mm. Yeah, powerful lessons, and I wonder, um, 
I'm just, I think a lot of us are curious. I mean, we, I've been on the end of it as a parent, um, you know, sending these missionaries out. Um, what would, I guess, what's, what would be maybe your like number one thing you would tell parents before they sent their missionary out? Yeah, I think there's, it's a great question and there's probably many answers. I don't know that there'd be one thing that I would say, but the one thing that, um, that I think an elder David A. Bednar teaches us. Um, he talks about that oftentimes we overestimate uh, their experience and underestimate their capability. Mm. I think one of the most remarkable things for parents to do is see their children not for who they are today, but for who they will become. Mm. And to recognize that they're in God's hands during those 18 months, two years, or in some cases, it's shorter than that. In some cases, they're serving now remarkably what a blessing that they can serve service missionaries as service missionaries. But I believe that one of the best things that parents can do is give them experience such that their capability will rise to the occasions that they're given, which means that they need to be allowed to be able to do hard things. Mm-hmm. And missions are hard. Missions are amazing. But the opportunity for parents to encourage growth, um, to not helicopter, to not snowplow the way, but to allow for experience, allow for true meaningful experiences that are hard, uh, will prepare them in addition to the parents' faith of sending them in the first place. And what a remarkable blessing is for parents to have the faith to know that God will bless their kids while they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 neat. Like I said, I've been been on the parent side of it for sure and it's it's tough. I think it's I always say it's the dirty little secret how hard it is to send those kiddos out. It's something I don't know that I was fully prepared for the first time I sent my son. And by the third one you think, well I should be ready, but it's still it's equally if not more hard um, depending on the kid, you know, how how much you think you know, they're ready or at least how confident they are in their own abilities. Yeah. Um, that, that always, you know, and it varies with, with your kids. I do have to say there is one of my favorite, you, you talked about um, hard things and doing hard things. One of my favorite people in the world um, is an old cowboy from Fairview that, that we know very well. Um, and he talked to my kids. He was our patriarch. So he, he gave blessings to my kids and, um, one thing he he always says is hard days don't have to be bad days. And and I think that's it's really powerful as we, you know, are raising kids in any faith tradition um to really make sure that that they know that hard doesn't have to equal bad. Yeah. And 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 usually hard that's that's the growth time. It is, and and the the mantra we've used uh, in in our home and that we used in the mission is is hard is not bad, yeah. hard is just hard, yeah, <laughs> and hard is okay, yeah, um, and and to the end that we recognize that we don't do hard alone, uh, even more power comes yeah. into our lives. That's that's amazing. Okay, so we I really want to talk about light the world. Many of us, I, I'm telling, I'm I'm assuming, just thousands and probably millions and millions of people across the world saw the the social media post in New York about New York yes. and Times Square. I mean, we were we were very um, 
blessed to be able to um, experience at the, you know, the opening of the giving machines here at City Creek, as well as in Orem at the at the Orem Mall. Um, and and so that was just such a powerful experience. But when I saw the video and, I, and, you know, I thought next year I'm going, I'm going to New York. You tell me when I'll be there. <laughs> tell you the day you'll be there, right? Um, because to experience that in person, I can't imagine. Tell me what that was like um, opening those machines in, in New York. Yeah, it's such a, an amazing blessing to have the giving machines in the first place. If you think about this, this year we have 61 giving machine locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's double from the previous year. And this year, it's a little bit unique in the sense that we have both fixed locations like we do here in Salt Lake at Mm -hmm. City Creek and, of course, down in Orem. But we also have mobile locations that move from city to city such that it gives an opportunity for more to participate in this remarkable experience of being able to go and buy a goat. (laughs) People love the goats and the chickens. They love goats. <laughs> they love chickens. Uh, they love the opportunity to do things that, uh, that you know, just give that. It's that tactile experience mm-hmm. of being able to put in the number and then to see that whatever you've chosen to know, that that's going to go and, and bless somebody. So this year, as part of our planning, was the idea of, could we take over Times Square? Mm-hmm. Could there be an opportunity for us to do something in a place where uh, is the center of Western civilization to do something that would create more awareness, more understanding for what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is striving to do with um, communities and interfaith leaders and wonderful um, civic leaders that are striving to bless people. And so the opportunity to do that in Times Square was as a one-of-a-kind experience where we had, uh, of course, national charities, American Red Cross and UNICEF and others, as well as local charities, uh, Catholic Community Services, and as example, that could come and kick off this event. We were blessed to have wonderful members as well as members of the community uh, join us for that. Uh, and what a what a re- uh, amazing place to do it in, such that um, many could learn more about how uh, charities, the church, uh, and communities are coming together to bless mankind. It was amazing. Mm. So, as part of that event, um, later that uh, evening, uh, Elder Quentin L. Cook uh, and the area presidency had invited interfaith leaders from all over. Uh, the city to come and to join in an effort to bless children uh, throughout uh, New York City. Uh, 42,000 children will be blessed because of the efforts that are happening with our friends uh, of the Catholic faith that are evangelicals. Uh, We had Jewish rabbis come. We had Muslims come that evening. It was such a remarkable gathering led by a prophet, Syrian Revelator, where uh, people of faith could come and uh, talk about what they were doing to bless kids in the greater New York area. That's what, that's, that wasn't part of the giving machine effort, but it was an opportunity to have people uh, come and, and join. That evening then was when we decided to take over the digital displays of Times Square, and it was truly remarkable. Um, we had worked for months 
to be able to um, think of a way to do something that would um, share uh, the nature of the Luke 2 account that we read in the Bible, where we see Joseph and Mary traveling across a digital display in Times Square, where you see uh, the newborn baby Jesus swaddled in a manger, uh, where you have shepherds that are tending their fields by night, and to see angels descending uh, in the billboards uh, there in Times Square, as well as, of course, uh, those wonderful wise men making their trip. And right there in the center of Times Square is, is the star of Bethlehem mm-hmm. that was shining brightly for everybody to see. I have to tell you that when we started it, the Times Square, which would not be considered the most holy place, <laughs> became a holy place. Mm. Music was turned down. People's attention turned to the message that was being shared. And then, of course, we've had, we were able to create a, a wonderful video from that that has now been viewed over 165 million times um, across the world uh, and has received just amazing feedback from friends of all faiths saying, what a remarkable place to share the message of the birth of the Savior Jesus Christ in a place where you would least expect it. Yeah. I mean, just watching it was so powerful, just just on social media, um, watching the reactions of people there. I love that they panned around and, and saw spectators just slackjaw. I mean, yes. just I was watching it too, just on, you know, on social media. But I, I think there's a power in 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 that sense of community of coming together in that moment, in that place yeah. to to witness something um, really special. And it really was. You you saw people stop. one of the one of the fun stories of that is the music track. Some people thought maybe we had piped in Silent Night. And the, the score, the music score for the video was 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 beautifully done. But some thought, well, we had taken over all of the music in Times Square, which is really impossible to do. You just can't do that. We really would have needed choirs of angels to be singing out of heavens to do that. But we did have uh, some Bluetooth speakers that we kind of uh, strategically placed. But uh, as, as those that have visited New York, you know, this time of year, wonderful time to visit the city. But we had those that uh, ride their bicycles, uh, these rickshaw mm-hmm. kind of riders, so to speak, where they would take um, individuals and ride them throughout the city, and they blare Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Well, we had uh, one of the members of our team actually get the music track on one of those loud blaring speakers so um, Silent Night could be shared as we watched the video. Mm-hmm. So you think about the heavens being opened at the birth of the Savior and those uh, angels singing. We had, perhaps in a very small way, um, the music of Silent Night playing in such a way that you had never expected, such that people could experience the joy and the gratitude of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Remarkable. And and again, I wasn't there physically, but... What I witnessed on social media on, on that video was a, a kind of a quiet calm that I have. Ne- I mean, I've been to Times Square a few times, but I've never experienced quiet calm in 
in Times Square. <laughs> yeah, ha- having having spent much time in the city in a former life, we had a member of our team who'd worked there for many years said they'd never experienced Times Square in such a way where entertainers, performers, those that blare loud music and uh, try to drive attention to what they're doing, respectfully turn their music down so people could see what was happening mm. uh, in this display. We, we ran the video about six times. Um, part of that is so we could film what people were experiencing mm. as they walked through the square. And it's just remarkable to see people look up. We couldn't use all the footage that we had, <laughs> but it was remarkable to see how people, again, would, would stop and, and literally uh, slack shot, as you say, look up to see what in the world was being shown on a billboard in a place where you would never expect it. Yeah. Yeah, well, our friends at Boncom outdid themselves. And they, they did. <laughs> the, the video was just powerful. Everything was powerful. Everything came together. It was really beautiful. Yeah, it, it really did. Um, I want to talk about kind of what's next and what's, you know, how the giving machines are going. And we'll do that when we come right back. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. Uh, we're having a great discussion uh, with Aaron Hall, Missionary Department Director for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, talking about giving machines, light the world, it's it's been really powerful. Um, what I love about the giving machines as well is that um, not only do you have you know you go buy a goat chickens for people across the world in some of these places in Africa and South America, some of these places that you know just are completely impoverished um, and, and really make a difference. Um, it's something very um, unique, but something, I love the goats, you know, you can milk them, you can create an, another herd. You, I mean, it's, it's a really powerful way for, for people to become self-sufficient and, and, you know, relying on, on their, their own um, energy to, to create something even more beautiful in their lives. So I love that. I also love, and selfishly a little bit here in Utah, that each one of these giving machines have local charities. That's right. That are part of it, which I think is powerful. You know, we we love that we want to be a global outreach to to help, but um, you know, I get this a lot from nonprofits here. Like we here in Utah have needs. We have, you know, specifically, I work with kids um, in the foster care system. And, and other places, you know, where kids are vulnerable. And um, it's and so to me, I think it's really powerful. So maybe talk about um, how that came about and, and what you're seeing as far as those local charities. Yeah, such an important part of this. And if you think of it, it was really born out of the necess- necessity to help people locally as well. Yeah, yeah. And so if you think about some of the charities that are involved here with us locally, you have folks like, of course, the Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm which does such great work as we take care of, 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 our, of our young, uh, our children. Of course, what you do is show up, right? Amazing work that goes on there. Tabitha's Way, Five for the Fight, as you are uh, familiar with, of course, United Way, but of Utah, yeah. which allows us to do some great things there. Um, Green Urban Lunchbox, Junior Achievement, uh, South Sudan Elite, Make-A-Wish, National Abilities, and so forth. Uh, the, the great thing is, is when we have people here locally that go to the giving machine, yes, they can buy a goat and yes, they can buy chickens. And it's amazing what that does to bless uh, those all over the world. But there are great needs here locally. And so the, the, one of my favorite things is when we see families, grandparents take their little ones 
and have an opportunity to, to stand there in front of the giving machine and maybe talk a little bit about it and talk about when we, when we buy this, this is what it's going to do to go and help somebody. Um, and at that point in time, uh, it, we recognize as everyone being a child of God, uh, everyone having uh, specific needs, emotional, physical, spiritual, and to do that here right at home in our backyard, uh, what a blessing to be able to do that. And that's the remarkable thing about the Giving Machine experience all over. The 61 locations that we have, seven international and 43 cities here domestically, every one of those giving machines has a wonderful opportunity for you to do something right in your own backyard. Yeah. You know, honestly for us, so last year was the first year that we had our show up team, our show up foundation had, um, had things in the giving machine. And, and this year it's, it's really fun. I'm so excited. Last year we had our foster family nights out that you could buy. So this is, this is, uh, you know, for $40, uh, it, you can buy a, you know, a foster family night out, give this foster family who's taking in kids, who is, is, is really wrapping around the most vulnerable children in our state period, um, you you are giving them an opportunity to celebrate each other, to have time as a family, to um, you know we we go with several organizations. You know we've we've had businesses that have you know health center theater that will give an experience for for families to come and experience a play or um, classic skating where a family can go and do an activity together at classic skating you know things like that all over the state uh, so this this money that that would that you give in giving machines is is going toward giving that family that opportunity um, for for our students the other one that we have here, that's the way, that's in Orem in Salt Lake. We have an opportunity to give a teacher mm-hmm. an appreciation kit. Uh, so for thirty five dollars, you can make sure that a teacher has has an appreciation kit. Our our teachers are taking care of our vulnerable children, and if we don't take care of our teachers, we're not going to have right. them there. And so uh, it's powerful. Um, and and so for on on my behalf, thank you. Um, thank you t- from from those that you're helping here, and and thank you for allowing us to be in the giving machines and the rest of these um, amazing charities that most of which I know very well and associate with here in the state. Well, we we are grateful for wonderful charities like yours and and the many others that that look to bless people in those individual and unique ways. That opportunity to gather families together for an experience, especially vulnerable families, um, where. Uh, somebody knows that they're going to have a night out. And what a great uh, opportunity to teach children when, when you go to do that, but also just that feeling of, of goodness that comes when we give. Um, you, you think about uh, the opportunity, 100% of what everybody gives goes right to, right to the source. Um, the church makes sure that 100% of that goes right to the charity of an individual's choosing, and, and what a great blessing for them to then choose something that's unique and interesting to them. So we are really grateful for those charities that uh, participate with us every year that uh, allow for uh, everything from families to teachers uh, to a child who is not well that might have health issues uh, to clothing to, um, to education, so many different ways for people to think about different ways to give. Yeah, it's it's really incredible, and um, I, I 
I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, this is sort of the fun part, I guess. There's There's been a lot of really high end celebrities sure. and people that have been involved in this. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I heard about the the opening of the machines in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of people connected with the the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, you know, we have some great folks that that have Utah ties. We love Andy Reid and and his wife, and, who have done amazing work uh, there to bring the giving machines. Maybe talk a little bit about how you gather them, what impact they make. Yeah, I, it's a great great opportunity to share maybe a little bit about how a giving machine comes to a community. So I, I think oftentimes one of the questions we get asked is, uh, why can't we have a giving machine right in our hometown? Wh- when is our giving machine coming? The way that a giving machine comes about is is the the local area leadership and area presidency, as an example, would say we have the the resources, the capability, and the uh, opportunity to bring them. Uh, having a giving machine just show up is not an easy thing, yeah. <laughs> because you need to have the local support, local charities, government, civic, and other leaders that come together to be able to make something like this happen. So if you take Kansas City as an example, that would have been led by the area presidency. And then uh, the opportunity then, of course, was for the local leadership to take that and run with it. So all of the things that happened locally, like the Kansas City Chiefs getting involved and Andy and Tammy Reed uh, being such huge advocates for it, bringing in the Hunt family, bringing in the Kelsey family. I heard Mama Kelsey was there. Mama Kelsey was there. (laughs) And what was amazing about that is, is that's all done at a local level. Mm. So the excitement that a community can bring around it um, to have, you know, a famous tight end and Travis Kelsey talking about come to the giving machine and give is because there's a wonderful community outreach that that certainly begins with uh, uh, local members of the church, but then extends well beyond that into the community such that everybody wants to be a part of it and everybody wants to give. So do you see this continuing to grow? Do you see this continuing to um, go into more locations? What do you see the future of the giving machines? We, we certainly hope for. This year, uh, we expanded, as I said, uh, twi- uh, two times than what we had done in the previous year. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were about 28 locations. This year, 61 cities. Wow. So every year, we have more and more interest. And we go through a process as we work with our leadership in the church to make sure that it's an area that has the resources and the wherewithal to be able to do it. But I think what we'll find is we'll have an opportunity to look and see what happened with the mobile effort this year. Mm. And the mobile effort allows for, of course, it to go to more locations, but so it also it, So does that mean it's you take – so the explain the mobile a little bit, just how how that works. So it, it comes for a period of time and then it goes somewhere else? Is That's that exactly works? right. Okay. So, for example, let's take, uh, let's take um, uh, the Phoenix area as an okay. example. It might be – uh, in uh, Phoenix, and then it might uh, head over to Scottsdale and Gilbert, and then it might go um, uh, to other places within the city, okay. such that it gives people an opportunity. It also creates a little bit of a feeling of, I need to get there. I don't Because <laughs> it's going to leave. <laughs> it's going to leave. I don't yeah. want to miss out. So we have many cities that are doing that this year. So it might start in Maryland and then travel up to Philly mm-hmm. uh, and then come back down to Virginia. So everybody has an opportunity to participate. We'll see how that goes this year. 
Uh, we'll see how area leadership might embrace that and want to do more of that. But I would anticipate that we'll see more and more opportunities for people to experience it in their community based on the success that we might see this year. Mm. Okay, so one, you know, if you could tell our audience one thing that would make the biggest impact, um, what would it be? As it relates to the giving machine or light the world in general? Let me let me look at both yeah. of those yep. if I can. We'd love that. If you think about the giving machine, uh, giving machine came from the the light the world effort. And of course, light the world was started it started about seven years ago i think everybody when they hear the light the world music now they there's the mnemonic that 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 tone where they hear it and they think christmas Mm -hmm. they think goodness they think uh, certainly christmas time and as we think about light the world uh jesus christ being the light of the world it's how do we he is the light uh and how does his light shine through us Mm -hmm. And so if you think about what is something that we would all take away, the giving machines is a manifestation of the way that we can share light. It's a way that we can give to those in need. And there are many other ways uh, that you can share light, uh, light the world, as you think about uh, serving within your own community, um, within your own family, uh, with those that you work with. Um, for those that you don't even know at all, the spirit of of light the world is is that wonderful feeling that we have at Christmas time, that comes through the the Savior's light to help us feel good and want to do good and to be good. And so, if there's anything I would hope that we all experience, certainly during this wonderful time of the year. Um, is that we'll feel God's love for us such that we can express it with others. Mm. And if that's going to a giving machine, because that's part of your family tradition, and we know the Cox family is there every year, (laughs) we are so grateful for that. We are also grateful for those families that go because it's just what they do. We also know that many families don't get a chance to go, but there are so many ways for all of us uh, to do as the Savior did, did, as we read in Acts, that the Savior went about doing good. Because he went about doing good, so can we. I love that. And that's what we would hope for. It's a perfect message for Christmas. And and again, we're, we're so grateful for the giving machines, and we'll continue to spread the light. So thank you so much. And thank you, and we're so grateful for, for what you do uh, to bless the state of Utah, as well as the many that you're serving. So thank you to you. Thank you. You can find more information at churchofjesuschrist.org. The giving machines are open through January 1st. And one little secret that Aaron Hall told me today was that if you push 777 into the machines, you actually buy everything in the machine. So just a little tidbit, if you're feeling very generous, go ahead and push 777 and buy the whole machine. Thanks for being a friend.